0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of what the sus um you've got gemma
1: and jordan
0: in the ckdu studio and yeah we're excited to um talk to you about africville
1: Yeah, um, this week we're going to be talking about Africville and going over what it is, how it came to be, who is affected. We'll talk about displacement a little bit and obviously environmental racism is the overarching theme for this episode. So to start, I'm going to give a brief history and tell you a little bit about what happened in Africville. If you're like me and you're not from Nova Scotia, you probably never heard of it. Um, And it has a pretty interesting history. So I'm going to talk about it. um, And most of my sources for this episode include the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, as well as the City of Halifax website and the Canadian Encyclopedia. Um. Just as a disclaimer, this is a very brief and annotated history. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of details that I had to leave out for time yeah. sensitivity. We could make multiple episodes about this. And I'm also going to try and put it in chronological order, but there's a lot that happened in a there's pretty short a history. There's a
0: lot that happened, and a yeah. lot that is, like, continuously being, like uncovered.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Africville is located on the south shore of the Bedford Basin, which is only about 15 minutes drive from the Dalhousie University Studley campus. I really thought it was much farther away. but no, it's
0: like right It's super there. close. You it's not the most accessible location to get to if you don't have a car. Right. But it is close and it's like essentially in the heart of the city. So so
1: close. I never knew. <laughs> Um, You're not the only
0: one. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this. They're like, Africville.
1: Where? (laughs) I'd never heard of that one. (laughs) So the city of Halifax was founded in 1749, but due to the fact that racism and segregation was still a very prominent part of Canadian fabric at the time, Black folks were congregated to the South Shore, which later became known as Africville. Um, In the late 1700s and early 1800s, black folks began to seek refuge in Canada, including formerly enslaved people, um, refugees from the War of 1812, and Jamaican Maroons. And if you've never heard of the Maroons, like I hadn't, they were a group of people who were captured in Africa by the Spanish, and they were then brought to Jamaica as enslaved workers on sugar plantations. And then in 1796, a group of these Maroons were essentially deported from Jamaica and sent over to Nova Scotia. They moved around a lot, um, or were moved around without their choice, obviously. Um, And some Maroons lived in Canada briefly before being displaced again back to Sierra Leone. And those that did stay were reportedly settled in Africville eventually. So, with Halifax founded in 1749, about a hundred years later was the first reported purchase of land uh, recorded a hundred years later. That's crazy. (laughs) Sorry, it was only the first reported. There obviously could have been others, which comes into play much later in its history. So, one of the first things that was done when Africville was established was the creation of the Seaview African Baptist Church. Seaview United. Right. Yes. And it's actually still, or sorry, the location is still standing. That is where the new Africville Museum is currently yeah, situated. Yeah, it's a I replica
0: of the original. Uh, so, the... Original church, I believe, was built in 1849 Mm -hmm. and then uh, was later rebuilt in 1916. And then, of course, we'll get to the demolition of it later and the replica. But it's crazy to think that they're not even able to give us, like, a true date as to when people first started living in that area.
1: Yeah. And I wonder why that area specifically, like, was there something wrong with other areas of Halifax or like did the other residents not want to live in Africville like why why were black folks segregated to that area but this area saw obviously a lot of environmental racism and total disregard for health and safety of people that lived there by 1854 a railway extension was placed right through the center of the village mm. like it just went right through the center of the city Um, Some people reported that their homes were just like not there when they went home at the end of the day. They were um, promised money for their homes um, but they never saw a dime. And people were concerned for their safety obviously with a train barreling right through their city which obviously caused a lot of pollution in the atmosphere. And in the same year Rockhead Prison or city prison was also built. So there's just like a an influx of a lot of stuff you don't want (laughs) right in the middle of your city yeah and this was like a community full of families
0: and children and like all of the worst infrastructures and like institutions are being
1: built in the center of it right and this was a fairly small community as well it's not like you wouldn't notice if a whole railway extension (laughs) was placed right through it was a really small community and then a couple years later in 1870 the infectious disease hospital was built so again more threats to health and safety of the residents of Africville so we have the pollution from the trains we have literal infrastructure for the trains and then we have a disease hospital and a prison (laughs) (laughs)
0: Safe. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's exactly what people want in the, to see in their front yard or backyard.
1: Exactly. Um, and despite the existence of close-knit and self-sufficient community, the city saw the land as an opportunity for development and further industrialization. Total disregard for the families that lived in the area. Um, they were more concerned with building and bringing in more income, I guess. Yeah. Residents of Africville paid their fair share of taxes, but were still denied access to, get this, clean water, a sewage treatment system, or means of waste disposal. They didn't have paved roads, or streetlights, or electricity.
0: But you want to know what they did have?
1: A prison. A prison.
0: Train, <laughs> a prison <laughs> an infectious disease hospital.
1: And like I did try and Don't look, be greedy,
0: Africville residents. Right?
1: I did try and look up whether or not people of Africville were employed by the railway oh. and it did say that some were, um, but were people also working at the infectious disease hospital or the prison couldn't find any yeah. like solid resources that said that they were benefiting from mm-hmm. these like terrible institutions placed on their city. Um, And instead of providing these very basic necessities, like I mentioned, clean water, sewage treatment plant, the municipality invested in the prison. They also invested in a fertilizer plant. There were slaughterhouses as well. And eventually a dump site for city waste as well as human waste. There was a lot of nasty resources about just like open pits of human waste. So within the last minute I've listed all of the worst possible things that you could have in your city and these people were just trying to get by. So by 1960 it appears that the city of Halifax never really had any intention of providing these services. In the early 60s the municipality was intent on using the land in Africville just for development And the following is a direct quote from a historical synopsis of Africville by Matthew McRae for the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It says, In January 1964, the Halifax City Council voted to authorize the relocation of Africville residents. Before this decision was made, there were no meaningful consultation with residents of Africville to gather their views. In fact, it was later reported over 80% of residents had never had contact with the Halifax Human Rights Advisory Committee, which was the group charged with consulting the community. 80%. That's That's outrageous. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say about that. You're asking people to just up and leave all of their belongings, their land, their home that they have curated, and nobody was consulted. Homes were destroyed, and those who had proof of ownership Of the land were offered payments again in my research it's not clear whether they actually received payment or not and those that did not have the deed to their homes or proof of ownership were promised five hundred dollars and I did look that up five hundred dollars in 1960 is the equivalent of four thousand and seven hundred dollars today So being offered $4,000 for your entire home.
0: home, Where, like, your children were born, where you raised them, where, like, your grandparents and stuff have lived. $4,700.
1: That's barely two months of rent in Halifax. Yeah. And if you're living with, like, a multi-generational family, you're totally out of options for $4,000. And again, I want to make it clear, it's not reported whether this money was received or not. Okay, so... I'm going to guess the answer is no. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) And there are plenty of other anecdotes about racial inequalities and mistreatments within this story. Based on my minimal research, like the residents being forced to move their things via dump trucks.
0: How dehumanizing. Yeah. You have this community of people, a resilient community, Mm -hmm. and they are segregated. They're on the outskirts of the city. They don't have... Electricity, they don't have clean running water, and they make do. They build wonderful families and they're living their lives. Mm-hmm. And then you take all of that away from them, and you take the last few remaining resources that they have and you parade them around in dump trucks.
1: Yeah. Like, and-
0: I cannot get, I can't even wrap my head around how evil that is
1: just so dehumanizing and when I think of dump trucks I think of like truck with an open flatbed but the images that they were using was more akin to like a garbage disposal yeah like mighty machines yeah like there's no way that was clean or like ready or like
0: They didn't, like, polish everything, so, oh, yeah, this big unit is able to transport a lot of people, like,
1: no, this is, like, fresh off of, like, collecting trash from the rest of the neighborhood. So there's no way you can tell me that those people's valuables were treated with care. Um, No. And there were a couple of stories of, like, older residents who were just so confused about what was happening and what was going on and why they had to move, especially with their things in dump trucks and they weren't able to have time to pack and like say goodbye Mm -hmm. to their their home they just had to like gather what they could in their little suitcases and just go the last home in Africville was destroyed in 1970 so that means over 400 people were displaced and that is sort of towards the end of my research of these people being displaced Um, beyond that I'm not sure what kind of treatment or hardships these people might have had to endure once they were forced to leave their homes again these people were segregated to Africville because they were experiencing racism um, within Halifax and this was sort of a, a a safe place mentally once they left who's to say what happened or where they went or what kind of treatment they received or what kind of living conditions that they had to endure. And then the research between 1970 and 2010 is fairly lackluster. There's not much that I could find. It really jumps around. And in 2010, a public apology was issued and there was some conversation about a settlement but individuals that did live in Africville were not issued a settlement it looks like there are some people who are going after that and they're well within their rights to receive compensation for having to leave their home Um, but in 2010 is when this apology was issued And I just want to finish off with a quote from the former director of the Africville Heritage and Trust, just to, you know, hit it home. And Sunday Miller, the former director, says, When people of Africville were here, they were self-sufficient. They might not have had a lot of money, but they weren't on government assistance. They were trying to create a community that the government wasn't willing for them to have. When they took them off this land and forced them to be a ward of the government, which is what happened for those who went into social housing, you took away their dignity from them. Let's take a quick break.
2: Have you been living paycheck to paycheck because of part-time, short-term, or low-paying job? Join Basic Income Nova Scotia at their fifth annual conference on April 1st from 9.30am to 5pm. Poverty in Nova Scotia is causing severe impacts on health and well-being. Rates of poverty and food insecurity are high and continue to climb with a particular impact on racialized groups. A basic income would mean that the government would pay its citizens a sum of money on a regular basis, regardless of employment status. Guest speakers will be discussing how Nova Scotians can reduce poverty, improve health, and strengthen the overall community at the conference. The panel will include incredible speakers like Elle Jones, who is a powerful poet, professor, activist, and two-time Atlantic Journalism Gold Award winner. If you're passionate about ending poverty or just want to learn more, we invite you to join the Basic Income Nova Scotia conference on April 1st at the Paul O'Regan Hall in Halifax Public Library. You can also join online via Zoom. Everyone is welcome and free lunch will be provided. For more information, visit Basic Income Nova Scotia's website at www.big-ns.org. That is www.big-ns.org. There's a couple of points that I want to circle back to. For sure.
0: So back to like removing residents from Africville and looking past the shuttling them in dump trucks, right. um, where were they sent? Where were these people that lost their homes, their livelihoods, their community sent? The majority of Africville residents were relocated to continue their experience of inadequate housing. Um, And they were forced to become urban nomads. And many began to rely on welfare. And so they were essentially put up in the projects where, yeah, they had to continue living away from their family, their tight-knit community, like their support system, and continue living in conditions that were essentially similar to what they had in Africville, just not with their people. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the apology and the settlement... There's a few things that I do want to include. So after residents were removed, the people of Africville formed the Africville Action Committee in 1969. And then in 1983, the Africville Genealogy Society was formed and they sought out compensation um, from the city in 1985. So two years after forming, they were like, yo, (laughs) you gotta do something about this. So that apology didn't come until 2010 and the apology came alongside a settlement what was that settlement well that's 25 years in between um searching for compensation and an actual apology and i just can't seem to understand how you'll tear a community apart um and sit on your hands for 25 years thinking oh hopefully no one else like really says anything or do you think we really need to like apologize for this yeah maybe um, reconcile a relationship with like such a historical black community in Halifax and so um, the settlement was um, giving that portion of land back two and a half acres and how are you gonna give land back to people that like they essentially already were entitled to and owned right so nice and then $3 million, which went to the construction costs of the replica of the Seaview United Baptist Church, which ended up opening a year after the apology and the settlement. And so um, it could just be the Christian girl in me, but I want to talk about the church and the role it played in Africville. So navigating information around the church is murky. The whole destruction and displacement of Black individuals While it is atrocious, uh, it's really hard to find any information that provides, like, concrete dates and issues of the demolition. Right. So what I've discovered at this point are a few facts that I'm not going to argue with. And so Seaview United Baptist Church was commonly known as the heart of Africville. It was, Mm -hmm. like, essentially in the center of Africville. And that's where... um, people would go for services, baptisms, they were doing that in the basin, which I think is super beautiful. There's so much like power and healing in the ocean. Uh And so being able to like express that with God and the people in your community, I think is really special. That was also taken away from them. but
1: Right. And I'm still thinking of the fact that it was 400 people. Like if we consider the population of students that go to Dalhousie. Yeah. In comparison to four hundred people. Like there's no way you didn't know all of your neighbors.
0: Yeah. You probably know everybody's name. Like you raised each other at that point. So
1: And if we're thinking back to to like the late sixties, early seventies even churches like where you went to to congregate, there was no there like, that's what you did. That,
0: yeah, that was your hub where you hang out. Your, like, yeah. that's your legion. That's your, your bingo hall. Your social
1: that's gathering. Exactly. Yeah.
0: No, that is so true. And I'm really glad that you brought up that point. Um, one of the things that I find most heartbreaking about the demolition of the church, it happened in the middle of the night. So people, like, they probably went to bed and they wake up to, like, that hub, that central, that safe place, Gone.
1: And um, yeah, like there should have been something a little bit more ceremonial, at least mm-hmm. about the, dist- I mean, not that you can sit around a church and, and feel okay about it being yeah. destroyed. But if at least residents were able to like go to the final um gathering and stand outside. I don't know, like, I don't know know what the better option is, like, just, but just for it to be, like, ripped away from you in the middle of the the night. night.
0: Or waking up in the middle of the night to, like, the sounds of knowing that your church is gone.
1: Yeah, there's something very sinister about... Evil. Yeah, So evil. About somebody sitting in, like, a construction vehicle, just ripping away at the walls of a church in the middle of the night. That seems very sinister to me. How do you sleep at night? Like, I'm wondering actually what kind
0: of like tunes did they put on in the demolition vehicles? And they're like, all right, boys, let's let's go. go." Let's
1: put this caution tape (laughs) up. Like what are those people doing today? And where are they? Where are they? Yeah. I just want to (laughs) talk. I can't imagine justifying that in your mind, you know, as, I mean, obviously, people need to. N- not me playing devil's advocate. Cut this out. <laughs> like, there are people who are obviously working mm-hmm. to tear this down, but I can't imagine justifying that in my mind to, like, go to work at what, 11 p.m., and clock in and get mm. in my. I don't even know what you call these destructive vehicles. I, I but... say lighting
0: machines because I'm a child, but, like, <laughs> a dump truck, a, a crane?
1: Did they have a wrecking, a ball? wrecking ball? I'm not sure. Mm. Who knows? And then, like, say you have
0: a family and you go home and you're like, oh, Papa loves you so much. Yeah. My little precious child that can go to church, like, on the weekend because you don't live in Africville.
1: Yeah. Your wife asks you, honey, how was your day? And you have to tell them that you destroyed a church.
0: Yeah. What? It was great. I um, displaced, like, a whole community, ravished their. Homes and bulldoze their church. What's for dinner?
1: <laughs> yeah, is there any beer in the fridge? Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a long one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and finding an official demolition date, um, I'm still not confident with what I've found so far. But um, from the Halifax Municipal Archives, though the demolition date is unknown the city produced dates of the demolition taking place between October 18th and November 20th in 1967. It's really murky, the research mm-hmm. that I was doing, but there were some statements saying that they put an 8 over the 7 or that it's not very clear when um, the city had, like, requested to really finalize this decision. And after the settlement, an apology from 2010... Part of the settlement was yes used to rebuild a replica of the Sea View United Baptist Church. Wow, like it is an incredible structure in Africville, and it now serves as their museum. Um, and I really do um, recommend that students take advantage of the discount six dollars. They're open Monday to Friday. Go learn about this part of our history. You're not going to get enough from us, even though we really did look forward to recording this episode. Like, this isn't enough. So go to the museum and check out the park. It's gorgeous. But the museum, this isn't, like, that part of the settlement doesn't align with the views of all residents and descendants of Africville. Like, compensation and reparations, it's not only deserved to the people of Africville, It's needed. I don't understand how they can be just so satisfied being like, well, the church that we took down in the middle of the night, we're going to rebuild that for you. You can put your trinkets, all of your historical artifacts inside of there. And that's it. There you go. Enjoy. Yeah. So.
1: And then what about the people who have, like, they were displaced from Africville. mm -hmm. And yes, the church has been rebuilt. And that's great, I guess. (laughs) But what about the people who had to leave Nova Scotia completely?
0: A lot of people went to like Toronto and Montreal. Mm -hmm. And
1: Winnipeg as well. But like, do those people have the capacity or the finances or the ability to, what, come back to Nova Scotia now and look at this church and say, wow, oh my gosh, all of my generational trauma has suddenly gone out the window. It doesn't seem like enough. And what about those who were not religious Mm -hmm. what if the like what about what if it's
0: like more pain than good for them to see right that church and visit it yeah so I guess like it's the least that they could do they could rebuild the slaughterhouse or (laughs) right (laughs) and be like hey you want to think of the good old days there you go like here uh, I the only reason I'm joking about some of these matters is because Mm -hmm. like I am so angry but this grinds my ears
1: it just doesn't make any rational sense like I the land is no longer being used um, for infrastructure development Mm -hmm. as it was intended to when all of these people were displaced all of the plans that they had in the mid to late 60s development was totally nixed they didn't even end up doing what was proposed so where is the rationality like why not choose land that wasn't inhabited and did we really need a dump site for human waste like where people live I just can't wrap my head around the justification
0: well if you think about it it's because like it was it was filthy black people like, not even considered to be human at that point. So, and it, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, It really does. So
1: just such a disappointing piece of Canadian history. mm -hmm. And disappointing is the best word that I can find as a white person who's lived with so much privilege and like didn't even grow up around Nova Scotia and or honestly, many black people. So I, I just can't reach that point of like I'm angry with you, but I don't even know what to say. Shame,
0: shame. So, so
1: what's been going on since twenty fourteen? Is yeah. there any um, any updates? Like let's try and
0: like move to a more positive spin, I guess, because there are like I said earlier, there was so much resilience and there still is, um, from the African community. Mm-hmm. And I want to mention um this incredible book that I picked up. And I brought it in with me for some ASMR. a very beautiful looking book. I don't know if you guys can hear. Oh, that wasn't a very satisfying page (laughs) flip, but that might be a bit better. So this is a love letter to Africa. And um, it features like a poem by Amanda and then like a collection of stories from residents of Africville. And I just want to, um, a piece of this poem with you guys so it if you know me you know I am a fan of poetry so I obviously like clung to this book (laughs) and in this poem that Amanda wrote it's about like her father opening up about his life growing up in Africville and the deep ache that followed after leaving and so for like so long that chapter of his life was closed and he wasn't talking about it and so this portion of the poem like kills me (laughs) Okay, so this is from her poem titled Africville. He finally explained the start, that Africville was a piece of his heart and he'd been walking around with this piece missing, all the while wishing that we could have known love that way. And so I'm a little emo just thinking about it because, like, throughout this book you have stories from people that were living there and, like, Africville was their home. A a few of them had homes in North Preston. There was one resident that left Preston after they lost their home in a fire and they moved to Africville. And the, the ongoing theme in these stories is just like how safe everyone felt. Doors were left unlocked because like my home is your home, your home is my home. It's like a tight knit community in the most beautiful way. And my heart breaks because like, they all talk about that longing that they feel for knowing that their children and their family won't experience the life that they did in Africville. And so there's stories of people being baptized in the basin, swimming, fishing, um, dancing, partying, all of that joy. And there's so much joy in this book. And um, yeah, it brings up lot of fear I know I said this was gonna be a positive spin (laughs) but (laughs) it brings up a lot of fear and like a deep ache in my heart um because like as time goes on and the raising of Africville becomes further and further away we begin to lose the storytellers that like lived there And the people that were most familiar with Africville as Mm -hmm. it was still standing. And so as like a black Nova Scotian, I cannot even begin to understand how devastating and heartbreaking it is to be like removed from your community. And knowing that you just wanted to like share that goodness with your family members. I'm just going to flip to like a random page here.
1: This is disappointingly not a visual medium quite yet, but there's so many um, beautiful black and white pictures. Yeah, and I think that it was a
0: brilliant choice using black and white Mm -hmm. photos as well, because, like,
1: damn, look at these
0: smiles. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is just a comment from Lyle Grant. We played football in the field with a deflated basketball. At Christmas, we would get those slippers with the fur on top. We'd go out and ski down the hill in our slippers, we would go sledding on anything. Once we used an engine bonnet and that was a little too fast. We were just always having fun. And so these are stories of people when they were like children, young adolescents, um, talking about what life was for them. And like I said, like, it's just constantly mentioning like safety, community, joy, fun. And to know that that was like taken and the main thing that people are asking for is the chance to share that again with their family. And so Africville, um, I believe every summer in July, they have like a giant reunion and they try to like bring that kind of life back, Right. but it shouldn't be just like a one-time thing. Like that, that hub should be central to that community every day of the year.
1: Yeah. There's such a like sense of innocence in all of those stories too. That yeah. is Yeah. Completely missing Definitely. from this story. Like, there there wasn't any wrongdoing on the part of the residents of Africville. Mm-hmm. Of course there was no wrongdoing. Yeah. And yet their community was just stripped away from them for the purpose of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's, it really is heartbreaking. But it's so special to know that there's, like, a collection like this that can be shared across the city mm-hmm. um, for people to, like, Get that human aspect that they're missing to know that, like, man, these these people were just, like, living, living and thriving in the conditions that they had and the cards that they were dealt. Right. And there's, like, such brilliance and um, resilience in these residents and their stories. And, yeah, I really do recommend um, you guys checking this book out. It is beautiful. And reading, like, the whole poem. That Amanda wrote. Gosh, <laughs>
1: Really tugging at the heartstrings. Yeah, I
0: definitely said that this was going to be a more positive thing, didn't I?
1: Yeah. I mean, how positive can we? That is true. <laughs>
0: well, I do want to give a little shout out to um, Aquaculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he has a song dedicated to Africville on his most recent album, Don't Trip. I had the pleasure of seeing him, like, a few times this oh. summer. And it was so groovy. It was actually, like, it was just black joy in the air. There was a little baby. I'm assuming it was, like, a family friend of his. Aww. Maybe one of his own children that was, like, tossed up on stage at one point, And he, like, started breakdancing and it was so oh, that's precious. So cute. Anyways, so Aquaculture um, said this about Africville. And it's the one thing we've got to remember about Africville is, man, every serious American, Canadian, Black musician that would come through Nova Scotia, that's where they were going out to Africville. Duke Ellington was married to a woman from Africville. Like, come on, man. (laughs) That was the Mecca. When they came through Nova Scotia, that was where they were going. That's where they were spending all their money. And that's a part that, like, people don't really consider is that Africville was a welcoming it was a safe, welcoming place. Mm-hmm. Um, many white people actually frequented... White people were going to that church. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to find out, because I have recently been dabbling in jazz, so um, I was really interested to hear that Duke Ellington was married to a woman from Affordville. Not sure if that is the case. I think his father-in-law was. But mm. still, like that's a close call. Yeah. And Africville was like bopping, so... There. That's another portion that I don't think a lot of people know is how rich the history in Africville was. And, like, all of the joy and celebrations happening there. So that's essentially, like, all that I have. Yeah. That's not the best note to end on.
1: But it's
0: honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this... Um, episode has been a little bit delayed. We were meant to record it during Black History Month and wanted to sort of give a shout out to local history. Um, yeah. and that's, uh, I guess, just the reality of the connection between sustainability and Africville and environmental racism. Yeah. Sometimes these episodes are <laughs> a little sad. Sometimes they are a little sad, and
0: I wish that I had like words of comfort to be like get through it um (laughs) I really don't know like I hope that you learned something or that it like piqued your interest hearing about Africville I have a lot more resources like the Africville forever podcast if you want some incredible like storytelling and production value I would turn there
1: yeah and we'll link that podcast In our Instagram, as well as the book that Gemma was referring to, and all of the resources that I used for the history for this episode.
0: In the show notes. Um, I guess the last thing that I want to say is, seriously, go to the museum, even just once. Um, I had the privilege of going to a really incredible prayerful protest um, Mm -hmm. on the grounds of Africville, um, back in 2020, after George Floyd, and it really was like such a healing, um, moment, being there. And so I know the podcast team was hoping to make a trip, and I think that we should still we should still go.
1: It's grow. only six dollars. It's only six dollars. Everybody go.
0: Yeah, everybody go. Hit Use them up. promo code. <laughs> we <What> the <sus? laughs> Just kidding. You don't need to say that.
1: Yeah. It's almost summer make a little day trip of it hmm
0: and I think that people like need to know about well it would be nice if it was a lot easier to get there uh-huh. like it being safe for people to walk to Africville. but you do what you can
1: <laughs> thank you so much for listening and if you have any questions or comments about this episode Please feel free to reach out. We are on TikTok at What the Sust and on Instagram at What the Pod. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas for future episodes, please let us know. We want to hear from you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Um, Africville forever. Yeah. Bye.